Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar, in this season of Eastertide. The hymn at the end of the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. We beseech you, leave us not comfortless, but send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to the place where our Saviour Christ is gone before, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. When the apostles had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were con constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. The second reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 17, beginning at the first verse. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. 
So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I've learned over the years how much being prayed for matters to people. Say one for me, vicar, is a common request. Sometimes it's made in jest, but often not, and I pray for them all anyway, whether they're joking or not. I'll be honest, though, I don't know how prayer works, but I'm very certain it makes a difference. It's not a magic wand or a penny in the slot machine to make God do what we want him to. But it really makes a difference to many people to know they're being prayed for, held in someone's heart before God. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus prays for us, holding us in his heart before his Father. He prays for all who are in the world, trying to follow his path, living out their lives in the midst of its confusions. But what does he pray? Well, he doesn't pray that nothing bad will ever happen. According to John, he speaks these words on the night before he dies, so a prayer like that would hardly cut any ice. And he certainly doesn't pray that we'll always find a parking spot or manage to catch the train we're rushing for. No, instead he prays that they may be one as we are one. His words have often been read as a prayer for church unity, and that's a perfectly reasonable interpretation and something we certainly need. But I wonder whether Jesus' vision is actually rather bigger than that. It's about the attitude that we need to have towards all people, not just Christians, not just those who are part of churches. There's an old story, and I'm sure I've told it before, about someone who came to a wise man and asked him, How do I know when the night has ended and the day has begun? The wise man answered, What do you think? His questioner pondered for a moment and said, Is it when there's enough light to distinguish between a sheep and a goat on a distant hillside? The wise man shook his head. Is it when there's enough light to tell the difference between a black thread and a white thread? The wise man shook his head again. What is it then? The night has ended and the day has begun, said the wise man. 
when you can look at any person and see that they are your brother or sister. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to see each other within the church or beyond it as our sisters and brothers, people we're connected to, whose lives have to do with us and ours with them. In our first reading from the book of Acts, Jesus calls his followers to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he says. Jesus' mission has been one of radical inclusion, preaching and showing the love of God to all people, those on the inside and the outside of respectable society, women and men, slaves and free, poor and rich, old and young, saints and sinners, those whom other people valued, and those who were marginalised. Go and do the same, says Jesus to his followers. That's what it means to bear witness for him. Tell people they matter, all people, everywhere, because these are God's children, my brothers and sisters, and therefore your brothers and sisters too. It's not that Jesus wanted people to be all the same, but to recognise their shared humanity the family likeness to God in everyone, just as he had done. It's no accident that straight after this, Jesus ascends to heaven, an event we celebrated last Thursday on Ascension Day. It's a strange story, that, and we often struggle with what you might call the celestial geography of it. We know heaven isn't up there in the sky, And that distracts us from what the story is actually trying to tell us. Early Christians, though, saw it as a reminder that a human being, a person like us, and a wounded, scarred person at that, with nail marks in his hands and feet and a spear mark in his side, a human being like that had been raised up to sit at God's right hand. Jesus is the person, Christian faith teaches, in whom heaven and earth are united. The one who shows us that the kingdom of heaven isn't just up there somewhere, but here to be found in our hearts and lives, and in the hearts and lives of our neighbours too. We belong to God, and God belongs to us. We belong with God, and God belongs with us. All of us, in all our rich, wounded variety. That's what the Ascension is about. It's a strange story, but the idea it encapsulates has immediate practical implications. Today is the end of Christian Aid Week, and this year its appeal centres on the people of Malawi and on one of their staple foods, the pigeon pea. Like every plant in the pea and bean family, the pigeon pea is a bit of a miracle worker because peas and beans fix nitrogen in the the ground, feeding the soil as they grow. But pigeon peas are also very drought tolerant and that's their superpower. Malawi has been badly hit by the combined pressures of rising food and fuel prices, the pandemic, and most of all, climate change. These are troubles 
that have hit us all in one form or, or another, of course. But Malawi's people have had much less to cushion them than richer countries. And that's where Christian Aid comes in. It supports a project called the Nandolo Farmers Association, which has drawn together small-scale growers of pigeon peas. The Farmers Association has negotiated fair deals for the growers it supports, so they aren't exploited. And it's provide commu provided communities with communal ovens to bake bread from the pea flour, which can then be sold at a profit. It's transformed the lives of people like Esther and Jen, whose stories are told in this year's Christian Aid materials. Esther is a widow with two daughters and two grandsons. Being part of the Farmers' Association enables her to make enough money from growing peas and baking pea flour bread to keep all their heads above water and to buy tools for her daughter, an aspiring carpenter, so she can pursue the trade she loves. Jen has two sons, but only earns enough to send one to college. An agonising choice for a parent. Which one will get that vital leg up? With support from Christian Aid through the Pigeon Pea Project, she can buy better seed, though, and get a fairer price. And she's hoping that both her boys will be able to fulfil their potential, helping the whole family and the whole community. But the help they need depends on people like us, seeing Esther and Jen not as strangers, but as our sisters, recognising our shared humanity with them, each of us made in the image of God. Jesus prays that they may be one as we are one. Today we're asked, can you see yourself as one with Esther and with Jen? One with the people you see around you who are in need? If we can't, says the Bible, then we not only leave them to struggle and suffer, but we impoverish ourselves too, depriving ourselves of the gifts they bring us, their stamina, their resourcefulness, and the knowledge of God at work in them, the kingdom of heaven close at hand in their lives. Jesus prays for us, for all of us, enfolding us in the heart of God. And he calls us to do the same for each other, so that together we can be the people he meant us to be. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share the peace, we hold in our minds those from whom we are separated, members of our congregation, our families, our friends. And we remember that in God's hands we are all held together.
Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Almighty God, who raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high, may we know your resurrection power in our daily lives and look with hope to that day when we shall see you face to face and share in your glory, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May Christ, who out of defeat brings new hope and a new future, fill you with his new life, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.